listening to Talking Out Loud, still the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. Welcome back. This is the Talking Out Loud rapid reaction after Dayton, a loser, 77-69 in Dallas at the Moody nice. Coliseum against yeah, nice. Against SMU. Uh, I am Sully with my confidant, Drew. If you are listening to us on the podcast feed or 1410 ESPN Radio in Dayton, we welcome you in for another rousing rapid reaction. This one not so rousing. Um, we kind of felt like the Flyers were going to have a downturn at some point and regardless of what kind of fan you are here for the program whether you thought this downturn was going to happen a week from now tonight or three weeks from now in january everybody was at the understanding that this downturn was going to happen the level that the flyers were playing at in the orlando tournament and then to a lesser degree when they came back home really blew the doors off two buy games. I don't think that anyone really felt that that was going to be sustainable for the long term, especially given what we saw in those first um, three losses for the Flyers at home. So here we are, Dayton, again, back down to earth, six and four. Um, We can kind of put, again, the at-large discussion that people wanted to have for a while way to the side. Um, That's not going to be a discussion that's going to surface for the Dayton Flyers for quite some time now because of the losses that are on their resume. But great time to bring in my confidant, Drew, who often joins me here on Talking Out Loud to break down the loss. Drew, how did you uh, enjoy the game tonight? Was it just a a night at home for you, just quietly enjoying the game? Because those are sometimes the best. Yes, it was a quiet night in a, in my home, enjoying the game in my living room uh, with a nice cold one on on the coffee table next to me. Watch, you know, thought we uh, thought we played not very well, and you know we were down as much as fifteen. We were down about ten with about three minutes to go. Uh, it was seventy to sixty, and I remember saying to myself that if Dayton <laughs> wants any chance to win this game, you believe the final, the final score has to. I didn't necessarily believe, but. The only outcome was Dayton had to win the game 71-70. Obviously, they didn't win the game 71-70, but it wasn't for lack of trying there in the last three minutes. <laughs> yeah, and we'll get to all of that breaking down the game today. Uh, we'll get into some of the stats, things that we liked, didn't like. Uh, again, we are very grateful that you're joining us for the next hour. I watched the game myself at Glasscott's in Chicago, and if you're listening to the game in Dayton, Ohio, um, or, you know, elsewhere on the podcast feed, and you don't know what it's like to go watch a game at Glasgow. Some of you listening probably do. But in the non-conference specifically, and even more specifically on the weeknights, here's how it goes at Glasgow. And Drew, I'm going to paint the picture for you a little bit as well. Please. Since the bar is in the middle of Lincoln Park, and it's in a, it's in a pretty nice neighborhood in Chicago, if you're familiar with the area, and it's very close to DePaul, Um, the college campus of DePaul on weeknights here in December, the group that is in the the bar is quite eclectic. And there's a Greek restaurant that's attached to Glasscott's. Okay. That you can also is like a, a spillover of the restaurant. So you can eat dinner there as well. So one of the funniest things to me over like the eight years that I've been watching games at Glasscott's 
are nights exactly like this one when we play SMU. Because when we walked in, there were four tables of people that were eating their Greek dinner and euros, I guess, at their tables. And then seven o'clock hits and the game comes on. And then all of a sudden, there's like 15 to 20 guys, small crowd tonight. But there's like 15 to 20 guys around these people that are having dinner. They're like, all right, good bucket. Good bucket out here. All right, okay, here we go. Here we go, Flyers. All right, Flyers. All right, okay. You know, and it's really funny because <laughs> the the people that it's always the same reaction. And again, I've been watching games there for about eight years now. The reaction is always the same. People are trying to figure out what the hell is going on first and foremost. And then once they there comes an understanding that there are 15 to 20 guys drinking beers, watching the Flyers, they immediately need to understand why that is occurring and why people are watching Dayton games so intently. So if you ever want to get perspective on how much Dayton or how much people care about Dayton basketball outside the area of the greater Dayton, Ohio region, come see us at Glasgow's and you'll get a nice eye-opening experience. So that's what, that's what my night was like, Drew, watching Dayton SMU. Well, I know those guys well because more times than not, when I do go to a public setting to watch the Dayton Flyers, I am that guy. So I get <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. I get it. I've definitely had the set of eyes on me like, all right, buddy, what's what's the deal here? Yeah. Like, Don't worry so, about it. So uh, not your normal um, rapid reaction after a Dayton loss. Like don't and don't get it wrong, folks. I've had some Miller lights. I'm fired up to do this recording right now. Um, You know, Flyers are six and four. And again, I I don't feel like I'm angry tonight at the result. And there's been so many results over the years, especially last season, where we do the rapid reaction and we're angry. Like, how could they possibly lose this game? How is the effort, you know, what it is? That's just not kind of how it's been for the Dayton team this year. I know that you're with me on this, Drew, is that of all the things that we have to worry about with this Dayton Flyers team, it's not the effort, is it? Oh, no, absolutely not. There's zero quit in this team. And, you know, those are the teams that become really likable are the ones that, you know, we got down, what, like 15 with about five minutes to go. Now, easy it could have been to just pack it up and just say, all right, one our night. Let's oh, my just, God, easily. Let's just, let's just get out of here healthy. And you know what? They gave they gave us <clears throat> a reason to stick around and watch till the final buzzer. And that's to be commended. Like, yeah, would it have been better if we played better before that and, you know, had a chance to win the game? Sure. But at the end of the day, they they left it all on the floor. And, you know, the reason we lost tonight was because of lack of execution on the offensive end some lapses on defense, uh, and on, like to be quite three honest, a hot shooting night from SMU. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they shot over 50% from the field and over 50% from three. Uh, it Sometimes you just run into teams that are hot, and sometimes you just get beat. And tonight, I just kind of I just kind of felt like we got beat. Yep, yep, I, I do feel like that as well. I feel like we got beat. Um, I realize we haven't done kind of like an overview of the show tonight. So what we're going to do here is, um, you know, we'll set the context for the episode here and like what happened tonight, obviously Dayton, a point loser, um, in the middle, we'll kind of get into more of the nuts and bolts. And then the end of the show tonight, uh, I actually have a preview since we have to turn the page. There's a game on Sunday, Drew. That's have right. To turn the turn page. Around. We have to do it. Um, we have a preview with uh, at everything VT basketball uh, blogger Twitter account uh, that covers Virginia Tech basketball to get us ready for the Dayton game on Sunday. Now that I digress, um, you know, before we get into the stats in the second segment, Drew, and setting the context right for this game, 
The Flyers have no margin for error, had no margin for error going into this game because of the three losses at home in the bye games. And we talked about that a couple of times here on the show. That's it, it does go without saying, but here we are. You know, we have to say it as the season goes along. And going into tonight, I felt like this was a very winnable game for UD. It was a zero-sum game for SMU. But again, I don't feel myself being so angry with the result tonight because the level of play the Flyers were at was was just not going to be sustainable. And you can't lose three bye games and then immediately think a team is going to rattle off like 10 or 13 in a row and immediately figure it out number one, but that was compounded by the fact that we are led by two true freshmen right now. And so if you were sitting there about three weeks ago saying, this team is young and inexperienced and they need to figure it out. Well, that has a nugget of truth to it. But the problem now with the Dayton team is that the most experienced players are playing at the poorest level. You can read between the lines of who I'm talking about here because we'll get to that too. And the people that are the most productive, the players that are the most productive for Dayton right now are their true freshmen, Mally Smith and Deron Holmes. I mean, Drew, I'm going to ask you this. Like, Mally and Deron could have played the two-man game the entire second half, and I think it might have given us a better chance to win that game than what we went with. Uh, I completely agree. I tweeted it out in the first half when we started to kind of eat into the lead towards the end of the first half. Just Mally Holmes, screen and roll for the rest of the night, please. And you look at, I mean, we're going to get into the box score a little bit later, but you're right. Like, And you got to remember, this was their, those two is their first true road game in front of a, you know, a hostile crowd. Sure. As well as a lot of the other players on our team, you know. It was the first time they'd ever had to step onto an opposing floor with fans in the stands like getting after it and that's a that's a real thing if you want to if you want to be one of the people that touts inexperience and things like that you know that's what you should draw on right there is that a lot of these guys were playing their first true road game in front of fans and that is you know it, it's not easy and especially at a, at a crowd like that you know I don't it was hard to really tell how many people were actually there but I felt like the people who were there <laughs> were were pretty loud so I think they played a little bit of a factor I, I don't know maybe I'm Maybe I'm wrong there, but I, I don't think I am. And and you look at it, and yeah, the the most production from our team tonight came from the two true freshmen. Yeah, and that's kind of how it's been, right? Like, if I had to nail down the two things about this roster that are most surprising on, you know, kind of a negative end is that we kind of all assumed that Tamani Kamara was going to be the best player on our team. And we had kind of all assumed that the team was going to go as Elijah Weaver went when he started the point guard. And neither of those things are true. I mean, Tamani Kamara tonight, he played 18, um, 31 minutes, okay? Logged five points and ended up with eight rebounds, five assists. I mean, he's doing all the all the little things, but the production that we thought was going to be there in the point scoring category, it just it hasn't been there when we've needed it. And nights like tonight, he's kind of disappeared. I mean, there's other things to kind of point to tonight. But on the whole, I think what I was most surprised at was uh, Dayton's lack of defensive pressure. And more so than that, and we talked about this when Dayton lost three games in a row at home, 
is that this team provides so much effort when they're on the floor, but a lot of times that effort is misplaced. And you saw it a lot in the second half where they were given 100% and they were chasing guys down. But the problem was SMU was experienced enough to go inside out and then kick the ball to the perimeter. And that's why they got so many open looks because, you know, don't kid yourself. Tonight was about the three-point shot, and I didn't think that Dayton was really prepared to handle the inside-out look that SMU gave them. And I want to add on to this, Drew, before we go to the break and you add on, that I want to give credit to SMU because I thought their game plan against UD was fantastic. They spread UD out on the offensive and defensive ends of the floor, and when SMU had the ball, they were very quick to get into that offensive set. I say that. They actually ran slow offensive sets, but what they were quick to do was get a man into the middle of the floor and get the ball down there so that Dayton would pressure collapse and they'd kick it back out. And that created a ton of space for them because they're veterans that know how to move quickly. And I thought that that was the difference in the game was that once SMU kind of smelled like where the blood was, that was really the uh, beginning of the end for Dayton. And again, the effort was what kept them in the game late but at the end of the day, I thought SMU really did have a good game plan for the Flyers. Yep, they did. They they played well. I I don't think I'm overstepping or exaggerating anything when I say I don't think that. they're a good team, but I think they right. played well. But I yeah. think they played well. They played well tonight. And, you know, they averaged 25 threes a game. They only took 14, but they made eight of them. Like, they were selective. They were all, you know, they took 14 threes. I think 14 of them were good shots. Yeah, I agree. You know? Like, all, of, all their threes were, like you said, in and out, in rhythm, like, you know, they made some tough ones over some outstretched hands. But they also had a lot of wide open looks as well. So, I, yeah, I don't think SMU is a, a great team. I, I don't even know if I'd call them a tournament team even. But for, they're far you know, from it. Yeah. Yeah. Tonight, like they played well and we didn't. And they did a good job of when we would kind of cut it to like eight or nine, they would immediately get it back to like 13, 15. We could never really slash it down to like two possessions with plenty of clock left. We didn't cut it down to two possessions until there was a minute and a half to go. So it was, you know, they did a good job in that fact as well. So I agree with you. I thought their game plan was good. They handled the press well. Um, they they finished with nine turnovers. But I think like four of them were really late when we were just, you know, running at them with our hair on fire and they started peeing down their leg a little bit. But so all, all in all, you know, good night for SMU. Not a great night for Dayton, but like I said, nothing to be like – screaming at the screaming at the heavens about yeah and um i, I think that's why I, I, i'm not so angry again like you, you kind of felt like a shoe was going to drop with this team you just didn't necessarily know when it was going to happen um and, and i don't even think the most bullish fans thought that we were going to rattle off seven wins in a row to get to like the vcu game right and right all of the wrongs that happened when a team loses a quad three quad four games and now they're they're kind of flip-flopping back and forth but when you lose three games like the ones that the Dayton team did to start the year the reality is these are games that are going to follow you know because you've already shown that you're going to have weaknesses against lesser foes so when you get teams in here that are maybe division one average or better or let's say like just below the average of a power five team, you're going to get beat on nights like this. And, and again, you, you have a coach that's seen it before in Tim Yankovic, and you have a team that has veterans that have won before. And so 
tonight, Dayton's youth definitely showed their effort is on display, but a lot of times it is that misplaced effort. So we'll be right back. We got plenty more to dig into. We got a Virginia Tech preview at the end of the show. And second segment, we're going to be digging more into the box score to say what went wrong for the Dayton Flyers today. Again, 77-69 losers. You're listening to the Talking Out Loud Rapid Reaction right here on 1410 ESPN Radio and wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are listening on the podcast feed, this is a great time to remind you that this program and the live show coming up on Sunday from Timothy's Bar and Grill is brought to you by the Lions and Reynolds team at Vic Green Realty. There's never been a better time to list your home for sale and Lori Lyons and Trisha Reynolds will work tirelessly to get your home sold for top dollar. Don't try to navigate the process by yourself. Visit lionsandreynolds.com today for a free market analysis of your home. Choose the Lions and Reynolds team at Vic Green Realty and see why they are realtors. You can rely on their bringing you this program here and talking out loud and our live show on Sunday. Let's get right back to it. Welcome into the second segment of the Rapid Reaction Podcast here on 1410 ESPN Radio of the Talking Out Loud page that you can also find wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sully, he's Drew, and we're breaking down Dayton's loss 77-69 to SMU at the Moody Coliseum in Dallas. And you know what, Drew, it's time to get into the numbers, kind of what led to Dayton's demise tonight. And we're just talking facts here, people. So don't get mad at us because that's all it is. Um, Drew, we talked about the context of the game in the first segment. Just uh, the fact that Dayton has no margin for error. They needed to rattle off a big winning streak to kind of get back to relevance into a tournament picture. They haven't done it. We kind of knew that this was going to be the outcome, which is why it's hard to be truly upset about this game and this outcome. I mean, this is who this team is. You're going to see some ups. You're going to see some downs. They're going to lose some games. I mean, that's just the reality of having a team like this, and especially when your two best players are true freshmen. So um, real quick trivia for you tonight, Drew, and I'm throwing this one at you. um, I didn't really prepare you for this at all, but uh, Tim Jankovic, who coaches SMU, he had two college coaching jobs before this one. Could you tell me either of the schools that he coached at before this one? I will give you a hint because this one's a little unfair. You wouldn't know this answer. Okay. One school is in Illinois and the other is in Conference USA. Okay. Conference USA. I'm going to say Tulane. No, but that's a good guess. It's North Texas. Go on. Okay. And then Illinois. You're not going to give me the, I'm going to, is it Missouri Valley? Um, mm-hmm. There you go. You're on the right track. Is, I am on the, um, is it Eastern Illinois? Yeah, you're, you're in the ballpark. Illinois State, the Redbirds of Bloomington. Uh, Bloomington Normal, to be exact, Tim Yankovic. Um, he's, he's had a lot of seasons. He started being a head coach in 1993. My man's been around the block a little bit. Um, but good trivia for Dayton fans tonight. How long has he been at SMU? So uh, SMU, he's actually been there for eight years now. It's been it's been a good run. It's been, it's been that long since Larry Brown left. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Wow, wow. Okay, 
Count wow, I was not expecting that. You're seven. You're seven. Sorry. You're seven. Yeah, Got to be Even factual. Still. Yeah. Hey, man, that's that's how it goes. Sometimes at these schools, they like they get. Um, I I don't want to see they get complacent, but it's like ah, this is good enough. You know, yeah. We can definitely relate to that in some degree. All right. Uh, so getting into the the numbers tonight. Again, the reasons why Dayton lost are fairly self-explanatory if you look at the box score. And really, it comes down to the three-point shooting. The Flyers were 6-for-22 from three-point land, good for 27%. SMU, 8-for-14, 57%. And there is absolutely nothing, Drew, that is misleading about that number because the Flyers gave up so many open threes, did they not? Nope, they did, and uh, our defensive execution was definitely uh, not very high tonight. Lacking, uh, lacking for sure. Yes, I, w- I would use the word lacking. Um, they they shot it well, but don't get it twisted. A lot of them were very easy shots and shots that you know if you're playing college basketball at this level that you should probably make. I can agree with that, and you know what i I said tonight that when we were watching the game. Uh, here in Chicago, and I was like, wow, they're shooting so well tonight. And we said, well, Dayton's leaving them open to shoot that well. And we did kind of say that Dayton was going to live and die by the three. And I think that's that's fairly accurate with this team because they don't generate enough offense to make up for the fact that they need the three-point ball, but they're not a great shooting team. SMU tonight didn't have... Uh, a great big man presence. Uh, they had a guy that we've seen for a couple of years, uh, Marcus Weathers, Michael Weathers, the guys that played at Duquesne. We've seen them, familiar with them. But, you know, for the most part, this lineup is between like six foot and six six. Uh, Isaiah JC, he logged 18 minutes for SMU. He's a 6'10 guy that played down low. I thought that was going to be an area that they could exploit, and they just really didn't do it. Um, the one thing that I definitely am surprised about is how often Duran Holmes is going to take mid-range jumpers, which is great because he makes them a ton, but he had a couple good moves on the block. It just leaves me kind of scratching my head as to how he ends up out there. And I think he even took a three pointer tonight. And let me be clear about this. If Duran Holmes is taking three pointers for this team, things are not going well, Drew. Uh, he was he was wide smack open though. I mean, you can't. Uh, he get was. Work. Oh, he was. And uh, let me let me be clear about this. Like he was wide open, but there's a reason he was wide open, and we all know that reason. That's just uh, not his game. Sure, it's it's not his game. But it, we were at the point in the game there where we just kind of needed something to happen, and he's wide open. He made a couple, you know, fifteen footers. Why not step it back seven feet or whatever it is, and and give it a shot? I I don't know. I wasn't really mad about that. It's not like I'm mad about it, but like what I'm saying here is just that if if that's what we're going to resort to in the final minutes, like you just know things aren't going well. And to go even further than that, um, Tamani Kamara did another one tonight where he shot a three pointer. And regardless of whether those are going in or not, I want to put some numbers out there. Tamani Kamara is 21 for 98 in his career. That is 21 percent. He is in his third year of college basketball. If that is your percentage after two years and in your third year, it's time to hang it up for the three pointers there. It's not your game. It's not going to work. 
And you contributing that to the offense is not going to be beneficial at any point. So I kind of want to set the level right now that anytime you see Tamani Kamara shooting a three, whether it goes in or not, it was not a good statistical decision, Drew. <laughs> Probably not. I, the one thing I will say in his defense a little bit, he is he's had some mega, mega rim outs too. I, oh, yeah. I, and I don't think like I it is what it is, not, though, man. Yeah, right. Numbers it don't is, lie. It, like the numbers don't lie. And actually, like I did go and look because we were talking about it. And I know he's been shooting bad, but I hadn't really looked at what his numbers were like at Georgia. And they, they're not good either. So, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you now. Like, all right, maybe it's time for him to stop shooting. But I at first you. I was like, he's like he's got good form. Like, it's not like he's missing him by like a mile. He he's had some mega rim outs. He's had some ones that have looked good. But but yeah, I mean, if the the book's out now like he's let's just nip that in the bud yeah and and more detailed than that okay if we're really getting down to it so Dayton has a 31 game season we are now for all intents and purposes we are one third of the way through the season and we are getting a very clear picture of who this Dayton team is and it's obvious folks their three-point percentage is 32.5. The national average is about 33. So that is good enough for 201 out of 358 teams in the country. Well below that average, okay, which would be at 175-ish, okay? Two-point percentage, which has become a staple of the Anthony Grant era in Dayton, Ohio. They are at 57%. That is eight points above the national average. That is good for 19th in the country. The bread and butter of this team is going to be getting turnovers, applying pressure on the defensive end, and getting easy buckets down low. Whether that's through ball movement, whether that is through continuity ball screens that lead to other easy buckets, or just feeding entry passes down low. The formula and the recipe for the Dayton team is becoming very, very obvious to anyone paying attention. The other thing with the Flyers is that they're going to have a pretty average offense and defense all year. Right now, they're ranked 102 in offense, 95 in defense. Okay, They're going to be right there on the average side of both of those ends. So what it's going to come down to every night is where that seesaw lands for the Dayton Flyers, right? If the offense is great and the defense sucks, like that is not going to work for us. Whereas let's, let's take an example while I explain this, right? Virginia, a couple of years ago in the 2020 cancellation season, they had the number one uh, defense in the country, but like a 200 ranked offense. So even if the offense was crappy, the defense was so good that it didn't matter. Like if an opposing team was going to hold Virginia to 49. It doesn't matter. They're going to hold you to 45. The Dayton team doesn't have that luxury. So how bad the defense is playing on any given night is going to have to balance out the offense and vice versa. And tonight, really, what we saw was that the defense could not balance out that offense because we were putting just so much effort into things that were leading to SMU getting open buckets. And so I think the seesaw analogy is going to be really good it's it, it's going to describe the Dayton Flyers all year because we need the offense and the defense to kind of cancel each other out in, in a certain way. Yeah, for sure. And another thing about the three point shooting is you said we're right around, you know, the 32 percent or whatever it is. But there aren't going to be many nights when we shoot 32 percent. We're either going to shoot like 48 or 21. Exactly. We're, we're very volatile. We're streaky. 
We're very exactly. strong. I think that is the word I would use to describe Dayton as a three-point shooting team. They're not a good three-point shooting team. They're not a consistent three-point shooting team, but they are streaky. And they have guys where if they get hot, then we can really fill it up and we can play with just about anybody in the country. Everyone is asking the question, you know, how did this Dayton team beat Kansas? Well, go back and look at how many threes we made in that Kansas game. Like, it'll, exactly. It'll tell you. And so that's, you know, when we have off shooting nights, it's we're going to be it's going to be tough to win. But those nights when we do get hot, we're going to be a very, very tough out no matter who is on the other side of the court. Yeah, absolutely. And and like not for nothing, but like the things that Dayton is good at now are finally becoming clear. Because remember about a month ago, we sat here and we said, we don't know what the Dayton team is good at. We don't know what their specialty is. And now that's becoming clear. Um they're not going to run the fast break a whole lot. They're going to slow down and get into the half court offense a ton. I mean, that's again, been an Anthony Grant staple, but the other thing is if they're getting those easy buckets, the two point percentage I've already alluded to. The other thing is the flyers have been solid on the boards. They've been really solid on the boards and tonight was no different. They out rebounded SMU 34, 32. So those are things to build on. And you can say with a young team, hey, we're, we're good at this. You know, we can rebound like we're crashing the glass. But there's things that they have to clean up. And I hate to say they're going to live and die by the three, but that's really how it is. One more thing I had to address, Drew, before we go to the break and get to our special guest from Virginia Tech is that the Flyers really are personnel-wise going to live and die by the decisions that Elijah Weaver makes because he's kind of the new John Crosby in that um, he makes a lot of better than John Crosby. Okay, hold on. You had to let me finish before you jump in. You had to let me finish. I'm just saying that is – okay, go ahead. (laughs) In that he is – when he makes plays, you're like, holy moly, how did he make that play? And then he'll come down the court the next time and he'll go – Oh, come on. How did what what are you doing here? So there's a little bit of both. So I would say that he's a new John Crosby if John Crosby could have made actual plays on the court because Elijah Weaver is perfectly capable. And that's why it's so frustrating, because you can see when he comes down the half court offense, Drew, he gets that look in his eye and you're like, oh, God, this shot's going up. I talked about it on the Kansas podcast, the the, the irrational confidence guy. He's a dude. He's a guy that will drive you up the wall nine days. But yeah. on that tenth, but on that tenth day, it's magical. He, like you love it when he, like you love that he is on your team, and that <laughs> that's who he is. Yeah, it was, it, it's it's going to be magical. I'm telling you, like he's going to have a game in conference this year where he wins the game for the Flyers by scoring like eight of the last twelve points down the stretch. And he'll probably be on the road too, like where. Yeah. He's just he's like eyeballing students from the opposing student section, like barking into the crowd. It's going to happen. I don't know who it's going to be against, but it's the Elijah Weaver game is going to happen. Yeah. And and I like got so much entertainment out of it because I love watching stuff like that. And we called it hero ball. It is. It's hero ball. Like it's just that's kind of his game. You can see him coming down the court and you're like. This ball is going to go up. He's not passing this ball. And he gets that thing where he, he puts his head down. And there was a couple of drives tonight where he's going into like three guys. And you just don't have any idea what's what's going on or like how he decided to make that decision. So we have to turn the page quickly. Uh, we are super excited for Sunday. Drew, you know what Sunday is, right? 
Live show at Timothy's. Live show at Timothy's. Talking Out Loud's first live show of the season is going to be at Timothy's Bar and Grill. We're really excited. We're going noon Eastern to 1.30. Game starts at 2 o'clock, and we'll be live from Tim's doing our first show of the year there. Um, we're excited to get back with the crowd, but we must turn the page quickly on this one because there is such a big game on Sunday. The Flyers can kind of make up the goodwill they lost today by winning on Sunday to a certain degree. Uh, Virginia Tech's a better team than SMU. We get them at home. It'll be a fun day to be on campus. A great Sunday to go to a basketball game. So, Drew, before we go to the break, let's wrap it up succinctly. Let's put this one behind us and tell the people what they need to know about their final thoughts for this Dayton loss, 77-69 against SMU. Well, I'm not going to regurgitate anything I've already said on this podcast because, well, that's what the first 30 minutes of the show was for. But I will say I'm very much looking forward to Sunday. I think it's going to be the first true reintroduction of Loud. You know, whenever those name brand schools come into town, it's a little bit different. The atmosphere is a little different. The beers taste a little different. Live show at Timothy, so obviously that's going to be a little bit different. Looking forward to being there on Sunday. Can't wait to see everybody out there. Uh, and looking forward to seeing you too again, buddy. It's been too long. I know. I know, man. We do too many of these podcasts just from, uh, you know, my my friendly confines from home here in Chicago and, and you're uh, around the Cincinnati area. So yeah, it'll be good to be back in town. And last year, I can be the first person to tell all the listeners out there that it just wasn't the same. You remember that first time we walked into Tim's and they had all the plastic barriers weird. up? I was so weirded out. <laughs> Dystopian reality. <laughs> I also, that was the day my tire blew up as well. So that was <laughs> just a wild day for, for uh, your boy. Pulling back the curtain. Radio is not easy. Anyways, uh, we're going to get to the last segment here on the other side of the break with everything BT basketball is going to give you the preview and he will be uh, joining us, I believe, on Sunday as well to do the pregame show. Uh, So we're going to go to the break again Uh, on the other side of the commercial. We're going to be talking about the VT game on Sunday. You're listening to the Rapid Reaction. Dayton, loser against SMU by 877-69. This is Talking Out Loud with Sully and Drew on 1410 ESPN Radio and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back into Talking Out Loud to wrap up the show tonight. Now that the SMU game is over and behind us, we must move on and move forward, my Dayton listeners, and we must move on to the game that is on Sunday with Virginia Tech. We finally convinced a Power 5 team to come back to UD Arena and play us, and by golly, it's Virginia Tech. They take the floor against your Flyers at 2 o'clock on Sunday uh, actually, the Browns fans, I believe, got bailed out on this one because the game was supposed to be at noon and then maybe it got flexed. Either way, this one's going to be in the middle of uh, oh, the Browns game didn't get flexed. I'm sorry, Browns fans. You're going to have to make a choice. You're playing the Ravens at noon. I was, I was really holding out hope for you, Browns fans, that that game was going to get flexed. Damn, God damn it, man. You know, I'd really never uh, take a step back and have enough sorrow for you, Browns fans. But this is the 10 seconds you get on this podcast. Anyways, Dayton Flyers game, two o'clock Eastern time on Sunday. So in the middle of football. But one of the bigger home games that we have had in Dayton Flyer land in quite some time. And so with that in mind, I brought on a special guest. He covers the Virginia Tech team, I guess. I don't know, Peter. Can I say you cover the Virginia Tech team or like, is that even not fair to say anymore? You tell me. 
Okay. Uh, I think covering's fair. I mostly just tweet out my angry thoughts as we have been underperforming this year, but cover them to a certain degree for sure. Okay. So I brought on Peter. He is at everything VTB, as in everything VT basketball. If you search everything VT basketball, it'll come up right there on Twitter. And he goes by the official Virginia Tech men's basketball fan account, the official fan account. I do like that. I should actually do that. We're the official fan podcast. Um, <laughs> but, uh, give the listeners some background, man, you know, uh, where you're from, when'd you graduate? And then you had told me before we jumped on air that, um, father time came for you in your blogging career. And so now you've whittled it down to tweets and hot takes on the mic, right? Yeah. So I, I went to Virginia tech back in 05 to 09. I always been a huge, uh, football and basketball fan over there. And when we first started this, it was actually right when Mike Young got hired and buzz left us down to Texas A&M. So we were kind of all in at first, loved covering Virginia Tech. We went down to most games. I had students covering, providing us game summaries. It's, I have an eight-year-old, eight-month-old son at this point. The pandemic, I couldn't go to any games last year. I'm at a point now where I'm mostly just tweeting. We provide some game summaries, some recruiting articles. I'll reach out to some of our top recruiting targets as I can. But for the most part, you're mostly following me on Twitter and not much else at this point. (laughs) There you go. And that's the best medium, though, because those are the quick thoughts and sometimes those are the scoops. Um, But you know what? We can start there tonight. And listeners sometimes like to get some backstory about this grind, if you will. Um, The grind is real. And I feel like we always joke about this in college basketball circles. But if you're blogging, if you're on the mic, if you're doing like, you know, online content for college basketball, you're either a college student, you just graduated and you're not married yet, or you're holding on as long as you can with like a young baby. And you are (laughs) unfortunately in that latter group, right? Like it just gets hard to allocate time. And especially me, I know when I kind of transitioned into doing this podcast instead of writing as many game previews and game recaps. It was solely for the fact that we started to get advertisers. People really liked the show. And you just kind of run out of time to write three hours about a 20-point win against James Madison or whatever, right? Yeah. Honestly, I was excited to come on the pod because I don't have to worry about editing, adding music, yeah. making sure that all... Yeah. Leave it to God, me, no, brother. Yeah, no work behind this. Just hop on for 30 minutes, which is great. It's also a, a bit disappointing, and I don't know if you have this too, but we get so much more engagement with our tweets. Like I'm immediately getting 300 likes, 20 retweets. If I post a podcast, it's taking me you know, three or four hours with editing and music, and we're maybe getting 100 listens. I know you guys are a bit more successful than we were, but I got to a point of I'm spending all this time on content, on articles, on podcasts. And I'm getting way more engagement through Twitter. I'm able to retweet from gambling sites and make some side cash. So it just didn't make a lot of sense from the the time I was investing in our content. Yeah. And that's exactly what it comes down to, right? Is like, is the juice worth the squeeze? And mm-hmm. in this particular uh, medium of college basketball, everybody has to make that decision. Because just like I said, the front half of this um, career, if you want to call it that, or the front half of this grind is mostly college kids that are either doing it for free or their enjoyment, or they're getting paid peanuts because they're entry level guys and they just enjoy covering the sport, right? So there's such a middle ground to be found. And I know that I found it myself here with the show just because we have been successful, but 
I'll be the first to tell you. And last year, it definitely felt like this. Not so much the years before, because we were kind of building towards something, I like to think. But in those years or those seasons where the team is not going anywhere, you have to kind of pick yourself up the, off the mat because it's hard to feel like it matters. You know, when you're doing those <laughs> podcasts and like a hundred people are listening, it you know, you wear yourself down. You're like, do people really care if I put out a show tonight or not? You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there's that initial excitement when you're getting, uh, you know, free tickets to the games, media passes, you're seeing... What? You get free you tickets? Yeah. <laughs> yeah we get media passes, like. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it was cool. We're, we're asking questions to Coach K and Roy Williams and all the ACC coaches, which was a great experience. But it does start to become a grind. Going to the games is fun, but all the content and the turnaround time, it's just, it wasn't worth it for us. And you're, and you're right. I wasn't making any money with it. I was finding I was having less and less fun with it. We ha- we've had pretty good success. We've made the tournament four straight years, but we're always playing second fiddle to, to football. So yeah, it's a grind. Plus, we're just not getting that attention, even though we have a pretty strong performance. Yeah. So uh, let listeners in on that. Like at Virginia Tech, I think it's pretty well known by anybody that knows the school that uh, football is, you know, it's going to be king on campus, number one. And then for people that know college basketball, you guys have kind of been this perennial bubble program, if I I think that's fair to say. Um, How does that shake out on campus? Like, it seems like to me, at least that the students do show up for basketball games and your annual beating of Duke at home. It seems like you guys always (laughs) seem to be Duke at home. I don't know how that works out. I'm sure you don't either. But let listeners know, like, you know, student body wise and community wise, like, obviously, football is first. How does basketball sneak the way sneak its way into the scene? Yeah, football is definitely first, which has become a bit surprising. I don't know if you follow college football too much, but Justin Fuente, who was just fired, has just completely ruined our football program. But regardless (laughs) of that point, people still love talking about football all day on Twitter and social media platforms. So I think I've accepted that we're never going to be a basketball school. That being said, you'll see when you come down to Blacksburg next year, our our home court advantage is pretty strong. We get students showing up. It's really loud in there. It's a really old facility, but it goes extremely vertical and and the sound just resonates really well there. So it's a great game day experience. But in terms of after the game, before the game on social media platforms, you're just going to get a little bit less engagement than football. Football, we just hired a defensive coordinator and it's going to take way more precedence than a preview for the Dayton game. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have to understand that we, you know, we run into that a lot when we're doing game previews ourselves. Um, the one that comes to mind specifically, and I don't mean to bag on the guy, but it's just like an honest story. Two years ago, we were going to the Maui Invitational and we, this was the 2020 season, right? Where we hadn't quite taken off yet. And we played you guys too, right? Uh, was that the second game? First game, second game. Oh, right. Yep. One of those. Okay. Anyways. So the first game was against Georgia. And I was like, okay, since I know the first opponent, I'll do a preview episode much like this one. And so I reached out to the guy that covers Georgia sports for rivals. And that upcoming weekend, they had a game against Texas A&M for football. And oh my God, he couldn't have been less interested in doing that interview. Like God (laughs) bless him. He was super nice. Came on, was a great guest, but you could tell it was like, can I get back to writing the game preview for Texas A&M now? Like, come on, brother. We we got a football program to run down here. I love the word program. I don't know. You guys aren't far enough south to use the word program, right? 
No. No, okay. I think you got to get down to Georgia and Bama for that talk. <laughs> you have to get way south or at <laughs> least uh, closer to the coast in Virginia, you know, just like way, way further south or in the, the farmlands, right? Probably some program <laughs> down there. I don't know. Yeah, we, we just hired a Penn State guy. He's actually got a bit of a southern southern twang to him, but um, yeah, not not quite program level <laughs> that's how you know the difference we've <laughs> officially crossed into the south all right so a uh, game coming up sunday again two o'clock tip at ud arena uh virginia tech comes in 34th ranked in ken palm not the bible just the number that i have in front of me they're 34 uh your dayton flyers right now if you're curious they're just breaking the top 100 at 94 uh you guys are six and three First five games against um, lesser foes went five and zero, oh, and then the last game or last four, you've lost three out of those four. Uh, so give us the lowdown. You know, Dayton Flyers fans, I'm sure have no context as to VT basketball. What are we going to expect here on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's been a, a bit disappointing of a run here so far, um, given that our streak of making the tournament for four straight years and. Um, really retaining most of our team besides Tyrese Rafford, which we can get into a minute here. We really had strong expectations, especially starting five and zero. I think we quickly learned that the, the loss of Ty- Tyrese Radford and the underwhelming performance of storm Murphy, who is a, a transfer guard from Wofford, who is a player of the year in their conference. We just haven't been able to figure it out offensively. And I would say our primary struggle, and, and you'll see on Sunday, we don't have anyone who can penetrate and we don't have anyone who can create. Sure. The positives we have one through five can shoot threes. You'll see some ISO ball from our four and five from Keve Lume and Justin Mutz. You can dump it into them and they can score, but we don't have any guards that can take it in for the perimeter. So we're settling for a lot of difficult three point shots and, and we're a good three point shooting team to be honest. But if that's not falling, we've been in trouble these last four games. Yeah, and the, the score is indicated 80 61 loser to Wake, uh, 69 61 loser to Memphis, Xavier's 59 58, Maryland game 62 58. Let me tell you, we've known those teams in Dayton. Uh, Brian Gregory had some teams 10 years ago that were like this and said, you know, if we can beat them to 60, we're probably going to win the game. Um, it, it's not. It's not really a hindrance, I don't think, especially in college basketball, as long as the offensive piece comes with it, right? And mm-hmm. I think that the thing that I was um, I, I was kind of blown away by was the, the offensive efficiency is there, you know, just looking at the Ken Palm numbers, and you guys kind of play a similar pace to UD in that the game will probably be slow, not so much fast break, a lot of half court. Um but is there any particular reason why Virginia Tech is holding their opponents to 23% from three-point land? They're the third best team in the country at doing that. Yeah, it's a good point. Mike William, uh, Mike Young has always had a great defense since he's come here. We really grind oh, the out these guy, wins. right? The Wofford guy, yeah. Okay. Um, we really yeah. grind out these wins and have a pretty strong perimeter defense. We're pretty small, um, so if, if you're going to beat us, it's usually down low. Sure, uh, but one through five, we can we can guard on the perimeter because we're we're pretty small and quick. What what was the feeling around the program about 
the Buzz Williams uh, to Texas A&M and then, you know, getting Mike Young from Wofford. For the fans out there that maybe don't know, uh, Mike Young coached Wofford for, I believe, 20 years. And it Mm -hmm. culminated in that run that they had uh, through the regular season and then uh, took a hard loss in the NCAA tournament. I want to say it was against Kentucky um, off the top of my head. But point being, uh, he was there for a long time, built Wofford up as a program, and then had a couple of glory years that catapulted him to a job like Virginia Tech. But for you guys, your perspective, um, what was the feeling? I mean, was that excitement? We got a guy that's coming from a mid-major. Is it? It was terrible. Or, yeah, I was going to say, are we ready to get rid of Buzz? Like, I don't know. I just, I know, and I took a long time to ask that question to, to paint the context. Like, I know I wouldn't be pumped about a guy from Wofford coming to UD. I would not be pumped about that at all. No, no. I mean, we were we were so pissed off when when Buzz left. Um, <laughs> he, if you, for context, when he came. Uh, to Virginia Tech and it was really surprising because he had a pretty high performing Marquette team at that point and we were essentially a nothing in the ACC he really turned around our program that first year I think we won one ACC game and then we we went to the tournament back-to-back times we should have beat Duke to go to the Elite Eight yeah we had a really strong team so we were all pretty disappointed and, and still to this day kind of bash buzz. I don't know if you follow him on social media platforms, but he always talks about loyalty and I all don't. these speeches he gives. Oh my gosh, there's such nonsense. But <laughs> no, at, at that point, I mean, we weren't too excited about bringing in Mike Young. A- across Virginia Tech fan base, people were bashing the hire. Yeah. But since then, since he's come in, he's from the area. He was actually born in Radford, Virginia. Okay. He's really taken to the campus, taken to the students, taken us to the tournament. He's really exceeded all, ex- all expectations and people love him down there now. That's really cool that, you know, it's worked out. Um, and, you know, it's in your third year. If you have people that are behind you in your third year, it's probably... You're pretty good. I mean, the pendulum swings for Anthony Grant here in Dayton, um, as I'm sure that you've seen by following me alone. Um, but no, I mean, that's it's interesting to hear because I think that um, I know that I was surprised when I went back and looked. I thought Buzz Williams was a VT for like a decade. To be honest <laughs> with you, like, did it feel that way for you guys because he kind of led the renaissance or was it? kind of washing away the stain of Seth Greenberg being there for a decade and not doing anything. I would say it was a bit washing away the stain because <laughs> by the time we started to get really good, there was the year before he left, there was rumors of him, him going to OK State. So we never really got that comfortable having Buzz Williams as coach. We kind of sure. knew that he was going to be on his way out soon. So it was a great experience while it happened, but it felt a little shorter than we wanted. I guess we should have expected it because he kind of unexpectedly jumped to our end. So had to assume he was going to keep jumping around, but it felt shorter than we wanted it to be. It's so interesting to me um, that you guys are in a similar position there that we were with Archie Miller um, because for, man, about three years there, like every off season, it was like, what jobs are opening up? You know, is Archie Miller going to take one of these jobs at the time for him to jump? Then, I, you know, he ended up going to Indiana and people were like kind of bummed that he left. And, you know, now I think the the sentiment has changed a little bit as far as having a coach that's going to make that jump because we have an alumni. And I think that's what a lot of people around the fan base kind of rest their head on at night is that, hey, we're, we're not in a situation where we, we have to wait for a coach to go anywhere. Number one, because no college programs were hiring Anthony Grant when we hired him. But number two, he's an alumni. So 
you know, they're not going to like force him out. There's just a lot more stability, I guess, as far as the identity of the program. Um, when Mike Young took over, was that kind of one of the things that had to happen? Like you said, he formed a defensive identity. Have you seen that change or the identity of the program change drastically from when Buzz was there? Yeah, it's a much different team. And, and he, he follows analytics pretty well. He's efficient three point shooting team. Defense is strong. And to speak to your first point in terms of having a coach that's from the area, that's been a big shift for us too. And in our AD Whip Babcock, who came from Cincinnati, I think that went into the hire of our new football coach is Coach Young being from the area and having roots to VT. It feels like we can really build something with him because he's not going to jump at the first opportunity. He has ties to Virginia Tech. This is just not another job for him. Sure. So, I feel like we're we're starting to apply that to all of our sports. Like we aren't a good enough program to fight off the top, you know, the elite programs like Duke and UNC and USC. And, you know, there's probably 50 programs that could steal our coach. Sure. And so no having one someone that's you to rooted, be them, right? Right. You know? Exactly. So finding her in a coach that's rooted in Blacksburg has been helpful for us and people buying into them. Sure. Um, all right. So game on Sunday. Um, again, VT's losers three out of the last four. Um, there is a game uh, before. Sorry, after we recorded this where they're playing Cornell. I'm going to go ahead and assume for this recording sake that they win that game. Um, so they'll go into the game at seven and three. Um, what's your prediction for the game on Sunday here in Dayton? Yeah, we haven't talked about Dayton too much. I wish I knew who you guys were following <laughs> you. I thought there would be zero chance you'd win that tournament um, and beat Kansas like you did. So it's, it's a little bit tricky in, in trying to identify how good Dayton really is. I think we're trying to figure that out right now too, man. I mean, I, I purposely don't talk a ton of Dayton when I get guests on for the preview because uh, my listeners know way more about the flyers than you ever will. Um, and that's just, uh, I think us having this crazed fan base that needs content at all times. Um, but if I could, um, if I could entertain my listeners for just a hot second while I bring Peter up to speed, no one really knows what the Dayton team is right now. I think we, we think we do, but I don't think anyone really does know. We'll know, um, a lot more here in the next 10 days with SMU game, with the game against you guys, Virginia Tech, and then Old Miss on the back half of that. But I think... I'm not going to speak for the entire fan base. I think a lot of Dayton fans are kind of waiting for the shoe to drop again because it was like, okay, we had these three really bad games. Then Dayton changed their lineup. Now Malachi Smith is running the point. He's, uh, like you said, we found a guy that's dishing and slashing because we didn't have that in the first three losses. And so now Dayton is kind of trying to find this identity of anybody can score 10 points a night. Malachi Smith's going to lead the break. He's going to lead everything that's going on offensively. We're going to try to push the pace, but we're not very good at it. Um, and so, yeah, I think I am still sitting here trying to figure out who the Dayton team is as well. And I think this game, this week and then next week will be a huge litmus test for exactly what this team's capable of. Yeah, that's fair. And there's so much up and downs in early non-conference games like that. You know, my prediction is going to be Virginia Tech's going to pull out a close one in a tough atmosphere up in Dayton. We just have a ton of pressure to get a non-conference win here, losing three out of the last four. I think we'll pull out a close one here. Yeah, and to finish up with that, 
um, we always talk about in Dayton, like the conundrum of scheduling, right? And like how hard it is to get teams to agree to these type of home and home series. I'm sure it's not lost on you why it is so difficult to, mm-hmm. to understand, you know, or sorry, why it is so difficult for us to schedule those games. But from your perspective, it seems like Virginia Tech needs this game just as much as Dayton, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, losing a Wake, Memphis, and, and Xavier. This is a, a win we need to have. And the tricky part about playing someone like Dayton is you guys have a strong team. You could beat us, but your ranking's not that great. So Correct. it's limited it's upside and huge downside if we lose this one. I think Coach will have our guys ready because we're on this losing streak and need to find our way out of it. So that's why I'm going to go with a win, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised with a loss. We're not playing at the top of our game right now. You know, I hear you on that. And for some reason, um, my gut feeling, this game reminds me a hell of a lot about uh, like the 2019 game when we played Mississippi State at home and the Flyers were like back and forth. They were a really tough veteran team who um, going into that season, they were supposed to make the NCAA tournament. And they were just experienced enough more than we were to get us when the game mattered. And I, I just kind of have that same feeling about this game where Virginia Tech brings in, you know, more veteran guys on this roster than we do. I mean, everybody has more veteran guys than we do. Um, but, you know, you're talking about juniors and seniors that have been there for years leading the program. I think when it comes time to make a play and the game's close, that's where Virginia Tech has the edge. So my gut feeling is definitely to to go with you on that, is that Virginia Tech, you know, win a close one. But I can't outwardly predict that because then a bunch of people will get in my mentions and call me a hater and a loser once <laughs> if we win the game. So I can't do that. Um, <laughs> let's you're ahead. well known as a hater, though, right? I don't think they'll be surprised. Oh, yeah, I know. That's all I do is like I just I'm a hater. Yeah, I, I do love the people that think that I like want the program to lose. Those are my favorite. Um, rounding out the uh, the half hour again, we're, we're talking to Peter who covers uh, VT basketball on Twitter. You can again find him everything VT basketball or at everything vtb peter it's been a pleasure talking to you tonight man um let's go out with this uh what's the expectation for the virginia tech team this year like you said f- uh, four straight appearances of the tournament uh 2020 we can take that out uh you know what are you really expecting this year out of this team you know i think initial expectations were we're going to make the tournament it's what seed we are can we get up to a five or six or seven i think right now we're going to be fighting for for a tournament spot i'm hopeful we figure things out and, and squeeze in there. But I would say our expectations are, are a high seed sneaking into the tournament right now. Well, you and us both, man, that's where everybody would love to be. I don't know if we have washed away enough stain yet uh, from those uh, first three losses, but Sunday and uh, SMU game are a step in that direction. We're recording this before the SMU games. So don't give me a bunch of crap about my language. Okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Uh, we will uh, we conclude there, Peter. Thanks again for the time, and it was great having you on the cast. And you know, I'll catch you next year when we're down in Blacksburg. All right? Sounds good, Sully. Thanks for having me on. All right, pleasure. That's again, Peter VT Basketball. He covers everything VTB on Twitter. You're gonna be right back. Actually, no, you're not gonna be right back. That's closing the show. That's the end of the show for tonight. You're listening to Talking Out Loud. I'm Sully. Wear red, be loud. All that. Catch you next week.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.